Welcome, welcome to the latest Miami Sports Podcast, and welcome to football season. Will Manso, yeah, Clay Furrow, no Dookie Lang for the, uh, I, what is it, the seventh, eighth month in a row? I, I, it feels like back? it. It feels like it. I, didn't we say, the big joke when we first started this thing was he was going to be fired every single week? Well, he's, I, apparently he's gone. He fired himself. I mean, I guess. He's got the longest vacation in producer history. It, it's like uh, South Park. Oh, they killed Kenny. They killed Kenny. Uh, they killed Dookie. Yeah, I don't know what he's, he's doing these days. He's he gone. gone. He gone. He gone, but we're here. We're talking Dolphin football. Miami Dolphins returning to training camp. Clay and you and I were both out there on Thursday of last week, which was the first day of camp. And it's pretty clear, I thought, from what we saw and, you know, really studying the players and talking to Adam Gase that the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, because when you're talking Dolphins, you're talking Super Bowl, guys. Not in a long time. (laughs) I will look, you and I both discussed this last week out at camp, and we're discussing it now. We want to talk a lot of football, but it's very hard to sit there and really gauge what's going to happen with this team and at camp outside of what we already knew this offseason based on the changes they made. No Dominican Sue, Jarvis Landry, guys like that. Uh, Adam Gase bringing in guys that are kind of his players. But if you have had one takeaway from the early portions of camp and from what you've seen, heard, read, discussed with others, it's what? Speed, speed, speed. So I gave you three right there, right? Uh, I think it's it's very clear that Adam Gase wanted to add explosiveness and speed specifically to the offensive side of the ball. And I I really saw it with Albert Wilson. I think you saw it with Jakeem Grant. And and granted, he was with the team. But I think they're looking for a more expanded role for Mm -hmm. him. And and actually, Mike Kosicki is a guy that we knew was explosive and athletic and quick and fast for a tight end. That's something they've been lacking. And I think as you see him grow into that role where I really think they want him to to make those big catches but also make the big plays down in the goal line they wanted fast guys at these positions and i think they've got them by the way our sponsor today vera motors you can head over there fast because when you spend your hard-earned money on a car go to a place with a reputation and i promise you there is no business in the state of florida with a better reputation than vera motors vera cadillac buick gmc pembroke pines the vera family has been serving south florida for 60 years for the best deal in south florida the best service vera cadillac buick gmc Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. To your point, Clay, I'm glad you said that because the sense I got in hearing Adam Gase talk and seeing kind of the personnel they had and have and the changes they made, as we know, again, and I'm going to start with the offense like you did because I think that's the focus. In the NFL now, it's about scoring. It's about big plays. It's about scoring quickly. It's about scoring a variety of ways. I think the Dolphins with Gase, they're really trying to do that offensively, and it reminds me a lot you mentioned Albert Wilson. Reminds me a lot of the Chiefs and what they did, what Adam Gase is trying to do. And I'm not saying the offenses are the same, but the theory of get the ball out quickly, put guys that can run in space and let them go. We've seen the Dolphins try that with Jarvis Landry mostly. And the thing we learned about Jarvis Landry is while he claims that he was underutilized here, which is ridiculous, <laughs> guy had like under 50 targets a year, but while he claims that the Dolphins tried to do that a lot and Gase did, but he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to do more than your six, eight, ten-yard play on those two-yard passes, like a let's say Terry Kill in KC and the receivers they had there, and Albert Wilson who was there. They used him that way. Obviously, he wasn't a go-to guy. I think with Grant, with Wilson, even to an extent with Devontae, even though he's probably more stretch the field guy, Gesicki as you mentioned. Danny Mandola is probably more the Jarvis Landry type that he's more a possession move the chains guy. But I think the ball, Case wants the ball to come out quickly. Mm-hmm. 
Don't let Tannehill have to be back there in trouble. Don't let this O-line, which, by the way, we'll get to in a bit, yeah. which is going to be a concern, no yep. doubt. Yep. Don't let this O-line have to block, block more than first level and get those first guys. Because if they do, Tannehill's going to be in trouble. You worry about his mobility, whatever it may be, but they need to get the ball quickly. And I think Gase wants to spread that ball around quickly and get those big plays. That's what this offense is going to be based on. And that's what the modern-day NFL offenses have become. It's finding those mismatches and finding them quickly. And, yes, you right want to yeah, when you, you want to take your deep shots when you can and when you have those big, strong fans. Uh, but not every ha everybody has a DeAndre Hopkins. Not everybody That's has a, a, a Michael Odell Thomas. Jr. Yeah. I mean, those guys who can beat literally anybody who guards them, Antonio Brown, of course, being the best in the league at it. But a lot of guys can find, a lot of teams can find those guys who are quick enough to where you put four or five of them out there, the defense is going to have to put a safety or a linebacker or both on someone. They're going to have to put somebody who's not yeah. quick enough to stick with those guys and if you're Adam Gase you want to find enough of those fast quick guys because you're not going to put a linebacker on Kenny Stills at least if you don't want to get burned you're not gonna, you're not going to put a safety yeah, I didn't even mention Kenny Stills yeah. no I, I mean so if you put an Albert Wilson out there along with a Mike Gesicki that's going to have to be guarded likely by a linebacker or a safety it's going to be trouble for a defense and and it's clear that Adam Gase is trying to to incorporate that and really make Ryan Tannehill's life easier because those quick easy throws are what gets you into rhythm and who knows you got a quick fast guy powerful guy you might end up breaking a big play on it another guy who got attention this week at camp in the first week is Frank Gore and you mentioned you know we're, we're talking about the receivers and the quick plays away defenses tend to defense tends to go against that is maybe press a little bring guys up don't let guys get that space if you can run the ball and play well or if you can throw the deep ball that combination obviously is going to help each section out if you can run the, the football it's going to be vital in passing the football that's just that's just basic knowledge of football 101 the Dolphins in Kenyon Drake and in Frank Gore seem to have, you know, I haven't seen enough of a Balage, you know, what he's going to be, even though the all the word in camp is that he's solid. But again, with rookie backs, you just never know you can't tell. how they pick up blitzes, how they do things. I think as camp progresses and we get into the games, we'll get a better idea. But it's clear that Drake and Gore are going to be the guys who are going to get the ball a lot. Frank Gore's look good. I mean, he hasn't looked good in the sense of saying, man, he's 35 and looked good. Right. He just looks good. Right. He just right. looks in right. good right. shape, right. which can, which is nothing but good for the Dolphins, considering that Drake was so, so effective last year. And if you could keep his handoffs and his carries to that 15 to 20 range and keep him fresh and have Gore come in and supplement, and then whatever you get from Balazs, Dolphins have the potential to have a nice little ground game. Right, and, and look, that's kind of the the framework that you want to follow in the NFL these days anyway, right? You don't want to have a guy who's touching the ball 25, 30 times. Guys are too big, too fast, too strong. They wear him down. They yeah. wear him down. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously I follow the Saints really closely. Well, look at that team. I mean, you've got Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and, and, and neither guy is going to get more than 20 touches in a game, and that's good. It keeps them healthy. It keeps them upright throughout the season. Well, in this case, you know that Kenyon Drake has shown that, that home run ability that we mm -hmm. talked about with with Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson uh, you need someone who's going to to get those inside those tough yards a and the thing that Adam Gase mentioned that I thought was interesting he's seen a lot of football and when he's talking about Frank Gore and the ability to make cuts that surprise him he's not talking about it surprising him for a 35 year old like you said he's yes. talking about yeah. so I think the framework is there and again going back to your original point where you can't tell much about rookies when you're out there and I think Balage has has the the physical tools and he'll get there what's what I think is so beneficial about having someone like Frank Gore around is that he's able to mentor these guys and he's really and he embraces it yes, he embraces 100% it. yeah and that's a good thing and look we're, again we're going to we're kind of going to go th rapid fire through some of the things we've seen because I want to be able to get to everything 
Offensive line I referenced a little bit earlier is not is not exactly the bright spot of week one. And again, it's just training camp. I, the, the thing with training camp is there are days where the defense looks dominant and the storyline becomes, oh man, the Dolphins defense really overpowered the offense. And then the offense looks great the next day. Offensive line, though, is a bit of a concern. There's a lot of talent individually there from as far as former first-round picks and guys that maybe had a lot of expectations that you're hoping kind of turn things around. Laramie Tunsil, obviously being an example of that. I don't know how good this offensive line can be, but I will say this. If the Dolphins are going to be anything more than a 7-9, 8-8-let's-go, same old Dolphins-type team, they, this offensive line has got to be really good. Well, and, and I think that th- this isn't a surprise, right? When you bring in young guys, or new guys, I should say, at, at, at positions along the offensive line, it's going to take time. For yeah, those, Mike Pouncey's uh, gone, obviously the, the leadership role there. And, and I really like sitting, and, and Kilgore is the chance to be good and, and, and all that. But the problem is that uh, what is the history of Ryan Tannehill shown us? It's that when he doesn't get that protection, that the inconsistency really comes in and it comes in quickly. So I, I don't know how long this team can wait I, I don't know how long you can you can wait for this this offensive line to gel we knew it was going to take time I don't think anybody expected us to be expected it to be really good the first four days mm-hmm. of camp uh, however it better get together quickly or else you're going to see a lot of the same type of stuff that we've seen for the last decade with this team. and you mentioned Ryan Tannehill and obviously look we could do a whole podcast on Ryan Tannehill because there's so much talk about him and there was a lot of interesting questions that were asked of Adam Gase about Tannehill and Tannehill being Tannehill, we've covered him long enough in this town. He's not going to give you a lot. And, and for the most part, he said all the right things. Look, I, I've worked hard. He stayed away from the whole Jarvis Landry drama. I'm here. I feel great. You know, he's ready to help the team win. He feels like that the year off did him good as far as learning, you know, the, the plays and the, and the leadership role, kind of sitting back and watching things. Adam Gase wouldn't come out and say, though, that he's the key to this team. He basically actually said the opposite. He said, I don't think I think we could win. We can win games even if he doesn't play well, which I, I don't think it's true. I really don't. I know what he's trying to do and, and kind of pump his team up. He doesn't want to just put it all on Tannehill. But this team goes as Tannehill goes. And if Tannehill gets time and that O-line can protect, he's got some decent weapons. Do the Dolphins rank up their talent with some of the elite teams in the league? No. Let's not kid ourselves. And that's not being a Dolphin hater or, or being a negative person. It's just the facts. The Dolphins don't have tons of playmakers like certain teams in the league that are the upper echelon of the league. Doesn't mean though that if Tannehill doesn't get time, he couldn't make plays, and that's the thing with with Ryan. What we've seen in camp so far, he looks like Ryan Tannehill. He's moving around fine. He's got the brace on, but it it doesn't at all seem like it's going to take him that long to be the guy he was. Now the question the fans are, are probably saying as they listen is like, well, I don't want him to be the guy he was. I want him to be more than that. The question is, can he be more than that? A, a few things uh, about what you just said, where you said, I understand what Adam Gase is doing. I think we all understand what he's doing. He can't say that Ryan Tannehill is the key to this team doing we can, anything. We uh, because if he goes out there and get hurt, gets hurt, then all of a sudden, what, what is the season over now? But I, I think we all know if he goes out there and gets hurt again, we saw the drop-off. We saw what happens. And even Adam Gase said, yeah, there is clearly a drop-off. And there has been. I mean, Brock Osweiler has had a couple of decent moments out there, but he's got a couple of moments That's, really good. Play, let's be honest. If anything happens to Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> Toast. you thought Jay Cutler, uh, the Jay Cutler experience was bad? Oh. I mean, the Brock Osweiler-David uh, Fales experience would be, I mean, this team would be a 3-13 and team. Yeah. So, to Tannehill, I, I, I got the impression he is more comfortable in his own skin now than he has ever been. And I think that's because he had this game taken away for a year. Um, So personally, I I, I think he's in a really good place. Um, And that's good for him. I don't know how that affects his play. I don't know that it's going to change much. I think 
Ryan Tannehill is who he is. And I this agree is with what we've said a thousand times. If he goes out there and gets gets protection, he can be a good quarterback. And and I, I especially with what the Dolphins have done around him, I do like what they've done around uh, around him on offense with getting the the playmakers where if they get mm. the ball out quickly, they can that, that's great. But I think it does come down to the offensive line, and it does come down come down to how does Tannehill react when he starts getting getting hit? Is he going to be the guy that he was before? So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, look, we saw it, and and Adam Gase can't come out and say our season rides on Tannehill going out there because if he does get hurt or he doesn't play well, then then what message does that send to the rest of the team coming from him? But we all know, we know it. We saw it last. Unfortunately, we saw it last year firsthand. I mean, they went on Jay, Jay Cutler hoping that he'd be comfortable with Gase having been in the system and that was a whole debacle and you had this team that obviously wasn't very good made the big changes and I think what's interesting too is the national perception the national perception Clay I haven't read one positive thing about the Miami Dolphins nationally everything is that not only are they going to be bad but they're going to be one of the worst five teams in the league and I just don't see it no and and I don't know if maybe it's my bias the fact that hey look we cover the team we, we like some of the guys obviously they're the guys we know we know certain guys we know they work hard we like people within the organization I don't want to sit here and say they're gonna they're gonna suck for lack of a better term could they be bad yeah if Tannehill doesn't come back and be the guy he is and struggles a bit if the O-line doesn't give him protection they can have some issues because defensively I think they'll be solid but this isn't going to be like a unit that's going to be a shutdown unit defensively that you win 13-10 type games they're going to have to score points that's just the way the NFL works the way this team is terrible is if that happens, you know, if just 10 and, and obviously if anyone like 10 gets hurt, but I'm just talking about just in the, the formation of the roster they have now, I just don't see how this team could be worse than last year. I thought in the off season when they're making the changes, they were going backwards and they're going to be worse. I did. I'll be honest with you in the off season, but as I've seen some of the pieces come together, maybe it's the optimism of the start of the season. It's made me think that they're probably better than they were last year. But the problem with that clay is that better they were, they were last year. Is pretty much what they are every year, which well, is seven and nine or eight and eight. Yeah, and and that's where you're you're in that state of purgatory, yeah. and and nobody wants to hear that because you've done. And look, we're dealing with it with the Heat, frankly. And, Absolutely. And in the NBA, more teams make the playoffs, so I mean, it's it's yeah. The Heat I mean, are the only team in the league that really hasn't made any changes. And right. You say to yourself, "Wow, they're going to be the same 44, 45 win team. Great first round exit, maybe or maybe sneaking around, but." Again, playoffs are different in the NBA. You're right. Most teams, you know, a lot of teams make the NBA playoffs. This is what the Dolphins are banking on, and and where I think you're feeling this, and and I, I'm seeing it as well. I think Adam Gase kind of alluded to this that when things went wrong last year, they didn't have the the type of mental strength and toughness to deal with it, and. I do think you can make all these excuses. The season got derailed with the hurricane early in the season. I think a lot of things happened to that team. They didn't handle it well. Gase feels like this team will handle it well, and I think they feel like having Tannehill out there will be such an upgrade from Jay Cutler, which I, I agree. I agree. But again, I still think you're talking seven and nine. I, I still think that six and ten, seven and nine is where this team eight is, eight, even with yeah. this. Guy. But no, they're not bottom five. And Tannehill is not a bottom five, bottom six. Oh, 27th was what he was ranked in that ESPN yeah, ranking. That's not fair. But yeah. but I do think that this is people on the outside. Number one, not knowing if he's going to come back healthy. And number two, no reason to believe. By the way, he's not coming back healthy. But go ahead. There, there's not. But but I think that's what people on the outside are looking at this thing and saying, okay, well, uh, we're hedging our bets a little bit because if he comes back and he's not healthy and he doesn't handle it well, then he'll be the worst quarterback in the league. He's not going to be playing. Yeah. Um, and and if he does come back, then okay, yeah, he's going to be a little bit better. So we're going to hedge right there in the middle. That's where I think the 27th came from. Um, but also, I, I think. 
the feeling outside is how can we expect Ryan Tannehill to come back from a year plus away and be better? And it's a legitimate question. It is. It is a legitimate. And I think that's where the national media looks at it, where they're not right. as heavily involved daily as we are, and the beat writers and the other local stations, they just look at it from the outsider perspective. I can get why they feel that way, because I'd probably be the same way. All right, our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you, there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. All right, let's turn over to the defense real quick. Secondary, I think, has the ability and the potential to be pretty darn good. Uh, with, the, with the young guys, the what you hope is the continued development of Xavier Howard. Uh, Tankersley is a guy that showed some things. Obviously, the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick. How are they going to use T.J. McDonald? Rashad Jones being the pro bowler that he is. Uh, you know, Lippitt, I think, is a guy that's uh, battling over there as well in one spot and with the potential to play a lot. Well, I think it's interesting. Torrey McTire has been really good. And and he's not just <clears> – <throat> excuse me. He's not just running with the starters right now because of uh, other guys aren't playing well. Mm-hmm. He's running with the starters because he's playing really well. Yeah. And undrafted out of UNLV last year, I don't think – People expected much because of that. But then towards the end of last year, he said, all right, well, this, this guy's starting to play. And then early on in camp, and this was was back in OTAs and, and mini yeah. camp as well, he started to catch some people's attention. So Adam Gase said over the weekend, he said, look, I told my assistant coaches, if guys are balling, if guys are playing. Yeah, I'm not worried about draft pick status. No, yeah. throw them out there with the starters right now and let's see what they've got. And that's why you don't want to take too much about uh, out of all right, who's running with what position groups early in camp. But you will take a little bit out of the fact that a guy that nobody expected to compete for a starting job is getting starting reps because it means, hey, we want to see how he works with Rashad Jones, with whether it's TJ McDonald or Minka Fitzpatrick, whoever is going to be that. And I do think it's going to be Fitzpatrick, but let's see how the chemistry is with the guys who could potentially be starters. Those number one reps, once the pads go on, are valuable. And looking at the D-line and the linebackers, again, this is where a lot of the question marks begin. You know, uh, getting McMillan back is huge. Yep. Uh, and, and if he's anywhere near what you thought he was going to be last year before the AACL injury, we never got to see him, unfortunately. Literally just one play on special teams is all we got to see. You hope he's that force they wanted to when they drafted him last year. Uh, you look at the D-line. Knowing Dominic and Sue is a huge hole. It's a huge, huge hole. And and the guys, the Davin Godshaws, the Jordan Phillips, the, the young guys that really need the ball and need to show off and showcase that they could be these kind of players. It's a lot, Clay, though, to just hope that these guys all are productive because unlike, it's not a matter, unlike a Dominic and Sue where you knew every game you what you were getting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you are paying a lot of money for it. These guys, it can't just be where one of them is decent now and then or another one. They, all, they really have to, in a rotation way, all be pretty damn good Yeah, for them I, to have success. Well, yeah, and, and because when you had someone like Sue, it wasn't just that he Never was going it. It, yeah. to beat his man. He was going to occupy one, sometimes two other guys. Yeah. So it's a double, triple team. So that opens things up for your other defensive tackle, whether it's Godshaw or, or Vincent Taylor or Jordan Phillips or whoever it may be. So Akeem Spence comes in there now. He's wearing the 93 of, yeah, of Sue. It's funny to see him, yeah. And, and he's looked good. I, he's looked good but but again you know we're talking early in camp 
nobody is going to be in Dominican Sioux. So what's going to happen now when those guys who did not have to deal with, with double teams before, now they're all of a sudden going to be getting them. Yeah. How do they deal? <laughs> or even straight up one-on-one guys. Yeah, can they this, beat the one-on-one? That's a big question because yeah. you just mentioned four guys that are all capable. And Akeem Spence is the veteran of the group. He's had some success at the NFL. But he, again, no one's going to reach the pedigree and the success that then Dominican Sue's has, and that's fine, as long as they all play well. But again, it's asking a lot for them to all play well. So you look at the layers of the defense. It's funny how it starts from the secondary in. The question marks just kind of keep growing. Like yes. the secondary, you don't have as many question marks, but boy, you start worrying about the linebackers and the health and the youth. And obviously, if Kiko can bounce back and have a better year, then you get into that D line with the guys we just mentioned. Uh, the questions really start there. And this isn't just one or two questions. There's a few questions. So while we talk a lot about the potential improvement of the offense, we can't forget that this defense has to be better. They have to. They have to. In a league, same way you talk about offense, in a league that is offensive-based, you have to be able to stop people, control the time of possession, have the ball in your offense's hands, and that's the way you win games. Is the Dolphins' defense good enough? Those are things that we have to watch as training camp goes on. The development of these young guys, how they play in these preseason games, the injuries coming back over a million, the guys they drafted defensively. I think there's solid potential, but I'm not, I don't know if you agree with me, Clay, I'm not as excited about the potential of the defense as I have the potential of the offense. I, I think solid is uh, solid potential. Basically, you're saying the ceiling, right, for this for is this defense. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bust out the Michael Jordan. No, I, I think the the ceiling is middle of the pack, yeah. right? And, and that's that's why. Okay, if if Akeem Spence comes in and performs well, if if you find two really really good defense, and, and I think the potential there is there with the defensive ends. Whether Harris starts to mm-hmm. to play like the first round pick, you know, Cam Wake's gonna play well, but uh, is he gonna be able to go out there every single down and do it? Robert Quinn is a guy who has flashed. He has shown the ability to be dominant on the edge. Why hasn't he been that way with the Rams for the last few years? And he was great for a couple of years, years ago. So what's happened the last couple of years? And and can he get back? So, yes, the the potential is there, but the potential is there to be okay. Yeah. Pretty good. The, the the other side, the negative potential, if this stuff does not work out, it, it's, it could it's, be rough. It's an implosion, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. In the last portion of the defense I wanted to mention were the pass rushers. And obviously with Cam, you know what you get. With Quinn, you sort of know what you get. You know, you you, you kind of feel like even if he's not the player he was a few years ago, he still could be – he's probably going to be a productive a productive, solid player. You hope he's more than that given what you're giving him financially and the commitment you have to him. Mm-hmm. I think Charles Harris is the guy that – Everyone kind of forgets because when you're a first round pick and you and you just you're solid, you're okay. And it, he wasn't bad last year. It's not like anybody could label him a bust. This guy got on the field and he was productive and he showed some flashes of, of, of decent play. But obviously, as a former first round pick and as a guy that that the Dolphins have high hopes for, he's got to be more than that this year. He's got to be a breakout guy, Clay. I think for them to have success defensively, he has to be a close to double digit sack guy. Is that crazy to think? I don't know, but I think that's he's got to be an 8-10 to 10 sack guy in my mind to have that next step and to really help this defense be better than what's been the last few years. And the coaches will tell you that he's close. The coaches will tell you that, yeah, the sack numbers weren't there, but he, what they say, affected the quarterback. Yeah, he got close. And, gotten there, yeah. um, and, and that's that's all well and good. Again, he did that on a defensive line that had Indomitian Sue. So let's see if he can start to take that next step. And he's another guy, by the way, that when he was talking the other day, that you, you felt like he's in a better place. He admitted that last year he was in a dark place because he wasn't getting to the quarterback. He didn't feel like he was performing up to the level of a first-round pick. And now he's kind of uh, more comfortable and feeling like, okay, I need to control what I can control and go out there. Again, that's all great. 
you need the production. You need the production out of him. You need the production out of Tannehill. You can say all you want that, that you're more comfortable and all that. you got to go out there and you have to perform in order for this team to be good. And I'm with you. I, I think that between him and Quinn, you know Wake's going to be who, who Cam Wake is. You need either Quinn or Harris to find a way to flash and, and get those yeah, sack numbers both. up there. Preferably I, both. Yeah, yeah. And, and look. And they I, both have the talent to do it. Uh, Andre, Andre Branch is a guy you gave a lot of money to for a reason. Yeah. Uh, William Hayes is still really good as a but run. To me, those are, yeah, those guys just have their solid little niche. Exactly. You know, I, don't know exactly. They, I don't know if they could take another step. Where right. I think the first two guys, I think, can. All right, let's 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 finish it off by talking about the one person we haven't discussed much, and that's Adam Gase. Uh, I thought Gase, he seems very comfortable in camp now in his third year. There's another one. Yeah, <laughs> he feels comfortable. Yeah, he <laughs> seems to have a pulse of his team and his roster. Now, that team may not be very good. It may not be a 10-11 win team. Maybe a 6-8 to 10, uh, to eight win team, you know, 6-10, 7-9 team. But he seems to have a real idea that this is kind of what he wanted and he kind of knows it's on him then like hey i got my guys now let's go out there and get it he brought up points about the nfl like every year there's that surprise team that's playing in january and and it kind of surprises you and it could you know essentially in a way saying it could be them i do sense that he has a better idea of what he's doing now i wonder though if they have if they just have that talent around them you know this is his chance clay if they go out and have six and ten i'm not saying that i'm gonna be fired i'm not at all saying that but I will say this: It doesn't bode well for him if he gets his guys, depart, you know, the JJIs, the Jarvis Landers, the Dominican Sues that apparently are the veterans that were causing issues, and the man, they're not the team player type that we want. Brings in his guys, and this team is still the same old Dolphins type of year. Did you get the impression hearing him talk as I did that he feels like he's found the answer to the problems of 2017, and it was bringing in guys who were more team oriented? I do. Did you? I, did I you? Did. Yeah, I, I, I almost. I, I almost felt like it wasn't a, in his mind that he feels like he's found the the solution. That it wasn't a physical talent issue. That it was a getting guys to buy in issue and a mental toughness issue and uh, guys who were going to respond to adversity well. And I don't know. Maybe that's it. Uh, but it, it better be. And and to your point about getting your own guys in there. When you stand up there and you say, these are my guys, this is uh, how I envision this team, and, and I feel comfortable, well, if the results don't show, then, mm-hmm. yeah, it does reflect on the coach quite a bit more than I think last year. I do think that you can look at last year. Let's say, let's say hypothetically the team does surprise or even, frankly, goes 9-7 and seven and misses the playoffs by a game. You can look at his career to this point and say, okay, surprise playoff team the first year. Second year, you have a really bad year. Lose your QB, though. Yeah, lose your QB, have the issues with the hurricane and and being uprooted and all that. Third year, 9-7, and 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 if they show a positive trajectory, then all of a sudden, uh, Gase becomes that that young, innovative head coach that's a hot name again. And because you can look at year two as the outlier. If they have a bad year this year, then all of a sudden year one, the playoff year becomes the outlier, and then that reflects on the head coach. Yeah, and a lot of it will fall Ryan Tannehill, even though you don't want to admit it. This offense is good. If this offense can score and be productive, I think Adam Gase, in a way, I don't want to say saves his job because, again, I don't think he's on the hot seat per se, even though you know Vegas will tell you he's one of the first likely coaches to get fired. But, again, the national media is on this bandwagon where the Dolphins are the worst team in the league. And I don't buy into that. I don't think Adam Gase is the worst coach in the league. I don't think I don't think the pressure is on him in that sense that, hey, two games in, they start off 0-2, he's getting fired. But I do think that when the whole thing is said and done if this offense doesn't take a big leap forward with Ryan Tannehill playing 16 games if he's healthy and, and they're just 6 and 10 again ho-hum averaging 21 points a game 
just a middling team, like just doing not much, then yeah, Adam Gase got to worry about his job security. But he feels, you know, like he's got his guys around them. We're going to continue, obviously, to be out in Davy with camp. We'll continue to talk more football likely next weekend. I'll be bon voyage though. Uh, Duke will be back, but I'll be on a cruise. Oh, I'll be in man. Alaska thinking about you guys. Yeah, but you'll still be paying attention to football. You you can't even well because I, I've always said there's no better place to concentrate on football than Alaska. Because <laughs> that's what. That's, do be, they even, uh, do, do they have the uh, the Huskies that run the Iditarod? Do they play I'll, football? I, in their I, I will be running with the with the, I will be running the Iditarod while you guys uh, talk about the Miami Hurricanes coming back to work likely uh, next weekend. Anyways, uh, I'm Will. That's Clay. Thanks for listening to Miami Sports Podcast. Football is back. Rejoice, everyone. We'll be back as well next weekend.